0: listening to the podcast of east river park christian church if you'd like to find out more information about the church or donate to this ministry please visit us at eastriverpark.church we pray that this is an encouragement to you as you grow in christ through the local church well this uh this past monday morning i uh, i sat in the waiting room at baptist health in Lexington, kentucky Uh, My mom and my sister and a family friend were were present. We went back to uh, see dad before his open heart surgery. He was uh, prepped and ready to go. And so we all said we loved him and then went back to wait. And wait, and wait, and wait. And finally they called my mom uh, to inform her uh, that surgery had been postponed until the next morning. There was emergency with another patient. So eventually we all went our separate ways while dad waited, uh, in the ICU room for the next day. Surgery on, on Tuesday, uh, started early. The procedure lasted around three to six hours. And, uh, I don't to be honest, I don't really do well with, with waiting. And so, uh, I just paced around the hospital, uh, drank about 10 cappuccinos from the Starbucks downstairs in the cafe. And uh, when it was over, uh, they finally uh, called us into the meeting room. So my mom, my sister and me, we sat there and waited for the doctor. And I, I had seen uh, that room in the movies before, and it usually didn't end well. But the doctor finally came in to tell us that everything went great, uh, that we could go see him in about an hour. So before surgery, dad, uh, he, he joked and he told people that he wanted someone to take a picture of him on the vent because he wanted to see what he looked like. And I was like, I told my sister, I was like, I'll take care of it. I got it, uh, not, not a problem. And so I've seen plenty of men and women on a ventilator throughout ministry uh, but if you've been there, you—I mean—you know—it hits a lot different when it's your own family. So, uh, a nurse friend uh, that my wife grew up with, she she ushered us into the ICU room to see Dad, and I knew, like, whew, immediately, I'm not going to take this picture. So, um, sorry, Dad. But the nurse practitioner reassured us that everything was going well, and we could come see him again in a few hours when he was off the vent. And so we waited, anxious. Day by day, we waited, waited to hear improvements, waited to hear updates, waited to hear what the next steps were, and now um, people have asked, but Dad's doing better this morning, he's in a regular room, and waiting to be discharged uh, to go home. And there's many people uh, that will listen to this message, and they know exactly what that feels like. They've had heavy, intense seasons of distress, just waiting for the future to unfold. And and honestly, it feels like a, a miserable game that no one wants to play. Feeling helpless, not being able to see the future, Not being able to see the do anything in the present, like just wait. That's the only thing to do. Wait. So we enter Psalm sixty-two today, and with with all of the angst and frustration we might feel in this life, Psalm sixty-two is going to teach us a better way. That, that patience is not just a, a virtue, that patience is a litmus test to what you and I really believe about God. That waiting is, is not a game, that waiting is the greatest action that we can take as followers of Christ. So let me show you from the Word why the Lord is worth the wait. We'll be in Psalm 62 if you have a digital Bible. Uh, I'll read out of the ESV if you have a bulletin. It's all there, but before we read the passage... Together, let's pray together. God, we um, come before you and, and we've gathered for you. We've gathered to hear from you. We've gathered to worship you. And God, forgive us as individuals, forgive us as the American church, for making it anything else but about you. And as we read Psalm 62, God, I pray that you would give us understanding and grace, knowing that that almost every person in here has felt the restlessness, the anxiety, um, the frustration of just having to wait. And feeling helpless in all of it. God, God, teach us what it means to wait on you. And we pray these things and we, uh, we trust in your word. In your son's name, amen. So we'll read Psalm 62 together. This is what it says. To the choir master, according to Judothan, a psalm of David, for God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. I mean, how long will all of you attack a man to batter him? Like a leaning wall, a tottering fence? They, they only plan to, to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us, Selah. So those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. And the balances they go up, they are together lighter than a breath. Put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, will set not your heart on them. Once God has spoken, twice I've heard this that power belongs to God. That's you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love, for you will render to a man according to his work. So we, we come to this psalm with little background knowledge of its context. It's to the choir master, according to Judethon. It means, his name means praise. He's a Levite. Uh, A chief musician of David, you can see him referenced in 1 Chronicles 16, 41 through 42, and in 2 Chronicles 35, 15. He was also mentioned uh, to be a seer of, of David, meaning he did more than just write songs for him. He spoke the word of God to David. Having studied most of 1 Samuel at this point, we know that the life of David, I mean, it just wasn't always easy. And as we study Psalm 62, we can tell that to be true. So some commentators believe that this psalm was in reference of uh, David fleeing from his son Absalom, which, which I know, like, every family has drama. But to be running from for your life from your own son, uh, that just seems like it's a lot. Regardless, things are not well for David. The enemy still seeks to attack. And so we enter verse 1 Look at verse 1 it says for God alone my soul waits in silence I mean what a conviction to begin a song from the anointed king life being turned upside down and the word says my soul waits in silence that we are a culture that just for whatever reason seems to hate silence I mean, we fill every second of our our day with noise to distract our weary hearts. Like, even the church is so often terrified of silence. We're nervous. We get nervous if someone is not talking or the music is not playing during a church service. We shuffle in our seats during small group or... Study group when people are, they're just thinking, but no one's talking. Why? Like, why do so many of us reject silence? And I believe part of the answer is because silence exposes what's going on inside of our own minds. Our deepest worries, our strongest anxieties, and the calling of verse 1 is not just silence, but to wait of it. Well, that's the hard part. Wait in silence for God alone to act. So I, I find it strange that the passage moves on. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock. What? He's, he's what? He alone is my rock? I'm waiting for God to respond, and the Word says God is my rock. Rocks don't move, and honestly, I think I I need to see God move. How is God my rock? Well, Scripture shows us, let me give you one example in the psalm, Psalm 18.2. It says, the Lord is my rock. My fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. God is our rock, but let me take that a step further. It says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. A tad confusing passage, but look at verse 1 for I do not want you to be unaware, brothers. That our brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them. And the rock was Christ. Christ Jesus, being God, is our rock. This profound, complex picture of God in the Bible. He is our rock. But again, why wait for him in silence? Like, I need him to do something now. I need some answers now. I need action. And so the question remains, why wait on the rock? Let me give you three answers from the passage. Why wait on the rock? If you're a note taker, they will be obvious, point one because he can be trusted. He can be trusted. Like most weeks in this series, David's going through it. We see his plea in verses 3 through 4. How long, how long will all of you attack a man to batter him? like he's some leaning wall or a tottering fence. The the only plans that they get together to make are to push him down from his high position. They take pleasure. They love falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. A reminder of James 3, James 3, 9 through 10. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so so that the heart of the people that are against David are not pure and clean hearts. They, they bless and they curse inwardly, revealing a double-minded heart that doesn't really love the Lord or neighbor, and certainly not David, which makes the calling of verses 5 through 7 even more remarkable. I've had people in my life that misunderstand me. I've had people speak against me. I've had people in life that it just seems like they take pleasure in falsehood. And I can tell you waiting in silence is the last thing I want to do in my flesh. No, we want to defend our name. We want to fight back. We want to go on the attack. And sure, maybe there are times to do that. But the calling of Psalm 62, in the face of adversity, is for God alone, O oh, my soul, my mind, my heart, my whole being waits in silence. My hope's in Him. He is the rock in salvation. He is my fortress, I shall not be shaken. On Him rests my salvation and my glory. Why wait on the mighty rock? Because He can be trusted. Hebrews 13 verses 6 through 8. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can, what can man do to me? Yeah, remember your leaders. Those who spoke to you the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever He can be trusted because he never changes. You don't have to guess what kind of mood he's going to be in. We don't have to wonder if his character traits are going to grow or they're going to shift as the years go by. We don't have to worry if he will grow tired of his mercy and his love. Lamentations 3. Verse 22, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. When life is unkind, when we worry about the future, because Lord knows that we do, we will hope in him. We will trust in him because he is always faithful. He's the unchanging rock, and it's not just the calling of an individual, but the calling of the church. Yeah, so no doubt about it. Uh, The Church of America is being attacked. It's being attacked first, I'd say, on the inside. Like wicked men and women claim to be Christians, and their hearts are just full of greed and envy and lust and cover up their sins. It's being attacked from the outside. Wicked men and women that claim like they found freedom from religion, but really they've just sold their soul to a religion of selfish desires and self-imposed laws. So the calling of Psalm 62 is for the corporate body of the church to likewise wait on the rock. There there have been many times in ministry uh, that I wanted and I needed answers for this church. And I didn't have them. And I couldn't drum them up and I couldn't fix anything with an, an event or a program. Like, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know what the next five years are going to be for East River Park but we do have trust we do have Matthew 16 18 reminding us of what Jesus said and I tell you you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it that the church will not be built on Peter or some priest, or a preacher, or an elder, or a deacon, or a staff member, or a Christian that has a lot of money and resources, the church will be built on Christ the rock. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We will wait on the rock. And then as verse 8, if you look at verse 8, it reveals we trust in Him at, at all times. that we, Whether life is going well or it's not, we pour, pour out our hearts before Him. All of your worry and all of the anxiety and all of the frustration and all of the burdens, we pour it out before him. He is our refuge, an unchanging rock that will not be moved. He can be trusted. But secondly, in the, in, in the same line, why trust in the rock? too? because people can let us down. I'd say it's probably difficult For us to really believe point one because we know point two all too well people have and can and will let us down so let's first make sure that we see god through the lens of scripture and not through the lens of personal experiences with other people that god can always be trusted but people No, people are going to let you down even with best intentions. I'd say right now, uh, you can fire away names of people in your life that have let you down. I'm no different than others. I've, I've let people down all too often. People that I really love. And if we're honest, we've let ourselves down time and time again. And so we turn our attention to verses 9 through 10 of our passage that reveal the obvious reality. Those of low estate are but a breath. Psalm 144, starting verse 3, O Lord, what is man that you regard him? or the son of man that you think of him, man is, is like a breath. His days are like a passing shadow. Those that don't have a ton of money, or they're not very popular, they're they're like a breath. They're here one minute, and then they're gone the next. Well, surely those of high estate are better off. Second half of verse 9, those of high estate are a delusion. And the balances they go up. They're together lighter than a breath. Friends, the Bible is not trying to create trust issues in our heart. We can and should trust people that are trustworthy. The Bible is saying we shouldn't put all our trust in people because they're like a breath. They do change. They are temporary. Even people that are rich, that think they're invincible, they're just delusional. All the money in the world won't keep us out of the grave forever. The people will let us down. The people close to David, people that have professed love to David, have let him down. It's the warning of verse 10. Put no trust in extortion. Set no hope or vain hopes on robbery. If your money happens to increase, well then don't set your heart on that. So I guess the question for us that that should be answered is, like, what do you... What are you really waiting for? Seriously. Most of us are just waiting for things to get better. And whether we want to say it out loud or not, we really believe that if we just get the right people around us and the right dollar amount in our bank account, everything in our heart is going to be fine. We believe that all the time, that becoming rich would actually fix everything. We even joke like, we know it won't, but we'd like to give it a try. So seriously, what are you waiting for? Is people and money your salvation? Is that your fortress? Is that your rock? People can be bought off. People are but a breath. Money can deceive us. And so it's possible that many of us, even in the church, are just waiting on the wrong thing. The people will fail us and money will fail us. Why trust in the rock? Well, let me give you your last one. Let me give you point three. Because it will be worth it in the end. Verse 11 of our passage, it says, Once God has spoken, twice I've heard this. And listen closely to what the passage says. That power belongs to God, and that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love. Please don't miss that. Please don't miss what was just said. We trust in the rock because he alone has the power to save and the steadfast love to do it. Romans 1, verse 16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. That God's steadfast love sent his son Jesus into the world to save sinners. That Christ Jesus died on the cross for our sin and took the wrath of God in our place. That Christ Jesus rose from the dead on the third day. Steadfast love and the power belongs all to him. I mean, what greater motivation do you need to wait on the rock? You don't have the power. No one in your life, no situation does power and the steadfast love belong to. It's the Lord's alone. So for God will render to a man according to his word. What work? Well, faith in him what reward salvation in Christ simply just wait and see it'll be worth it in the end it's about 130 miles from here there's a, a place called Chained Rock in Pineville Kentucky I think there's a picture of this rock there it is um, and decade after decade the rock hung above Pineville. Adults would tell children that the rock was kept in place by a, a large chain, that they didn't need to worry about this, this boulder rolling down Pine Mountain and, and flattening the town. But at the time, it was just a story. And uh, at the time, there was no chain, just a lie to comfort the kids. And all of that switched in... June on June twenty fourth, nineteen thirty three, a local group completed the project. They successfully attached a hundred foot long and one and a half ton chain from the rock to the mountain. So you can drive over there now, hike up to it, see the sign posted, and I didn't recognize it at the time. When well, I mean we took the kids up there, but uh, that the sign says that the new chain replaced the old one. Obviously. Some people really like to lie in Pineville, I guess, because there was no old Jane. Um, Just wait. I mean, there's going to be times in this life you're just going to have to wait. And you can attach your heart to so many things in that season. You can put all your trust in people or dreams or experiences or situations or money or jobs. You can attach your heart to so many things in this life. But the plea from the word this morning is this. Attach your heart to the rock that won't ever move. That he alone is our salvation, that he alone is our fortress, that he alone is our mighty rock. And those who wait on the Lord well they won't be moved either. So that's your summary point. Really your main point, those who wait on the Lord will not be moved. Let's pray together. God, we're uh, thankful for your word. Uh, Thankful for um, just the picture that it gives us, God, thankful for just the things that we can relate with, thankful for the story of David, seeing these moments of intense distress and and the calling to pour out our hearts this morning. In the waiting, we, we pour out our hearts. It just doesn't feel fair sometimes feels very frustrating sometimes we wish we could do things and we can't. And But God, what what a great promise from your word. God, that, that we can attach our hearts to the rock that won't ever move. An unchanging God. A faithful, consistent God that keeps the word. And so we're thankful for the reminder challenge and the encouragement to pray these things in your son's name. Amen.